0: Growing up in church, I got so caught up in just going through the motions. I was lost. I need you to save me. I was depressed, anxious. And the only thing I could think of was, why is this happening? I was really lost. I wasn't sure if the fear would envelop me. I faced fear when I was diagnosed with cancer and went through surgery and radiation. I just didn't feel like I deserved to have hope and joy in my life anymore. I was an alcoholic and I was severely overweight. I believed, but had never truly received. I accepted Jesus into my life again. He cared enough for me to bring restoration. Because of Jesus, we are thriving. He equipped me and readied me for His purpose. Overwhelming joy flooded my soul immediately. And I was seeing the world around me for the first time. He met me where I was, and He brought me back home to the church. To extend my hands, And received for the very first time. And carried me through that season of loss and grief. And he can do the same for you. Christianity is about a relationship, not about religion. This is my story. 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 For God's glory. For God's glory. God's God's glory. For God's glory. For God's glory. For God's glory. So we're in the series right now called My Story, God's Glory, right? And Pastor Thomas has been encouraging us that through the life of David and through the life of Moses, that God has big plans for each and every one of us. Amen, right? But it's to bring glory to God, not glory to ourselves. And we're going to continue on with that series. And I want to start with a theme verse that we've been reading out of Matthew chapter five. And it says this, words of Jesus here. He says, you are the light of the world. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell them you are the light of the world. Go on tell them. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love how God always works this out because this is a verse that he actually put on my heart about two months ago because I was preaching on it at the youth, uh, in a youth series. And so when Pastor Thomas started this series, God had already been speaking to me quite a few things on this verse. And I wanna share just a few real quick. The first one is this. Jesus says, uh, we are the light of the world, right? Right? But in John uh, chapter eight, Jesus says he is the lie of the world. So let me ask you guys a question this morning. Who's the lie of the world? Is it Jesus or is it us? (laughs) It's both. Thank you. The pastor got it. Trick question. Going to get you all morning, right? It's both of us, right? And this is what the Lord reminded me of. Uh, the story where his disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you please show us the Father? And Jesus is almost hurt in a sense. He goes, show you the Father. Why, Why would you ask me to do that? The Father and I are one. I don't do anything without the Father's permission. I don't go anywhere. I don't say anything. Why would you need to see the Father? When you see me, as in Jesus, you see the Father. And he just reminds me that when you live for something greater than yourself, when you really want your story to reflect God's glory, the way Jesus did, the father and him are are one. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that same glory that Jesus carried of the fathers rests on us. And we're not doing anything special on ourselves, but we reflect the glory of God. That's why we're the light of the world, right? But so is Jesus. Second one is this. Jesus says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. And this is what the Lord has been teaching me through this series. It's time, we can't afford for our stories to be hidden any longer, amen? Amen. We overcome the world by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we have to be willing to share our story to make a difference in our community. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I heard we won a a basketball game last week, right? Anyone ever see that? Come on. And it's super fun, you know, my wife and I, we don't stay up uh, late very often, but I made sure I drank my cup of coffee, was definitely gonna stay up for it, watched it, and it was just like, you know, the nail-biter, really fun. And I went outside to uh, listen to all my neighbors because they were screaming, shouting, shooting off fireworks, and then, thankfully, I went to bed afterwards, right? And the next morning I got to watch all these videos of people celebrating downtown. And there was one montage in particular that caught my eye because it was people all over the United States, not just in Lawrence, it was East Coast, West Coast, North and South, and even around the world of like people's reaction in the final moments. And they're going crazy, right? They're just like, yeah. And and it it, it kind of, I I graduated from KU and it pulled something out of me and I was like, wow. That's so cool, they're sharing the story. Listen, when you're excited about something, you cannot hide it. You have to be that city on a hill, shining brightly. And I'm just saying, if we're gonna be that excited, this, ready to go for something like a basketball game, can we not start living a life? What would it look like if we started living a life for Jesus Christ, shining brightly for him as much as we do for some of these other things, right? People all over the world. So it's a time. It's it's time to really stop hiding our stories and shining brightly for Jesus. I want to highlight. We mentioned in the news announcements, but I want to say it one more time. Just one practical way that we're trying to do this. And on April 23rd, it's a Saturday coming up in just a little bit. We're going to be having a special day for youth, sixth through twelfth grade, and we're calling it Rev City Youth Ignite because we want to ignite something in their lives. So we're going to split up between boys and girls, and let me tell you. Girls, you're going to have an amazing day. We're going to take you to Circle S Ranch, located just north of Lawrence here. They're going to do things like horseback riding, some exercises, some paintings, and they're going to get catered meals. All the while, amazing women of God are going to speak into their life. They're going to teach them what it means to be a woman of God, and then you men we're gonna take you on a day of adventures. Uh, I can't even tell you all that we're gonna do, but at, at one point, we're gonna go over to ZipKC and do their Ninja Obstacle Warrior course. It's gonna be super fun, I promise you. But all the while, men will be speaking into your life about shining brightly for Jesus because it's time for us to stand up and share our stories, amen? And you're gonna to get to hear some of our testimonies. You're gonna to get to hear some of our stories. So please, I encourage you, if you have a student, sixth through 12th grade, please register them for that event. Uh, you can go to revcity.com youth, sign up there. And this is not just for the youth of this church. This is a community event. We would love it if you have a friend or if your student has a friend that wants to come, please invite them to come. I promise, maybe they're unwilling to come to church. Maybe they're unwilling to come to youth group, but I promise they will have a blast and God will encounter them at this event, okay? And finally, the last thing I want to point out from this verse is this. Jesus says, So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And, and when honestly, when I read that, it challenged me. And if I can say this, I almost I had a problem with this verse. And here's the problem I had with it. Jesus says, let your good deeds shine. But again, it's like the same thing in Matthew chapter six. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here's another big question. Do you let your good deeds shine before others and men or do you do your good deeds in secret? You guys are not answering as quickly as the first one. It's, another, it's a both and again, Right? Here's the main caveat. Here's the thing you have to know. When we let our good deeds shine before men, look what it says right here. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify how righteous you are. Does it say that? No. Look what it says. It says, "Let may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we're in this story and we're talking about sharing our stories and, and glorifying God, we have to remember, even when we do that, we're doing it in such a way that we're bringing glory to God. It's not about us. It's not about what I accomplish. It's not about what I do. It's not about any of those things. It's why I do those things and who I do them for. Amen. So today, we're, I'm going to uh, kind of break the mold here a little bit. And I want to give you some practical steps, some things that if we do, we can really ensure that our story really will bring Glory to God. So would you just uh, bow your heads real fast. Let's just pray over this time that we have together. Invite Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, so much for being here. I, you're here already. You're doing so much in this church, in this city, and around the world. And we just thank you for it. And right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Please come fill this place. Touch our hearts and our minds. And I pray that we would not leave here the same. We love you, God, and we give you this time. In Jesus' name. And all the church said... Amen, amen. All right, so uh, three, three practical steps to make sure that our story really does reflect God's glory. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. My students are pretty good about doing this, so I want you guys to do this too, okay? Number one, we gotta leave pride at the door. If you want your story to reflect God's glory, you have to leave pride at the door. Listen, I truly believe God has big plans for each and every single one of us, but I know this to be sure, Pride is never going to be a part of that plan. How do I know? Because God adamantly opposes the prideful. Check out some of these verses here. James 4 6 says this, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Come on, say, God opposes the proud. Proverbs eight thirteen: to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride, arrogance, evil behavior, and prefer speech. As Christians, is it okay to hate things? I'm telling you, I'm getting a lot of you know, these looks, right? Yes, right there. It says, I, I, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. Come on, we gotta break out of our Christian mold sometimes just be like, it is okay, we love the person, but we hate the evil. Man, we can never allow that. Pride will never be a part of our lives. Proverbs 11, two, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, five, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. I mean, I could give you about 20 more scriptures, but are you guys seeing this, okay? Strong language here. How could pride ever be a part of our life and our stories somehow reflect the glory of God? The answer is it can't. It is literally impossible, but the crazy thing is we live in a culture that really actually values and honors our stories, right? We even have these things on social media called art stories, right? And we, and we go around and we share our stories, not bashing anyone, anyone who does that, but to give a little perspective to you guys, okay? I want you to uh, understand something. There's about 7.7 billion people in the world right now, okay? 7.7 billion people in the world, roughly. There's anywhere between three to 36 million social media influencers, paid social media influencers, okay? So I, I was like, okay, so how much do some of these people get paid to share their story? Like, literally, that's all they do. They go on there, they share their story. How much do they get paid for doing this, okay? So here's the top five how much people get paid for sharing something on their story. Cristiano Ronaldo, if you guys don't know who that is, he is a soccer player. He can get paid $400,000 for one post. $400,000 for one post. Coming in at number four, we have Selena Gomez and Kim Kardashian West. They can make $500,000 on a single post. Now I understand a half a million dollars isn't what it used to be. You can buy about like three boxes of cereal now for that much, but to me, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money still for me, right? Justin Bieber and Dwayne The Rock Johnson can make $650,000 on a single post. Beyonce can make up to $700,000 on a single post. And coming in at number one, we have Kylie Jenner who can actually make up to one million dollars, has made a million dollars on a single sponsored post, and on average makes around 400,000. So when some people cap out like, oh, my biggest one is 400, she can just make that pretty much on average every time she posts, And, and listen, I'm not trying to bash social media or anything like that. The church, we have it. And we use these stories and we share. Uh, And honestly, if I could post something and make a million dollars, I would probably do it. So this is a good time to pull out your phones and search the master pastor. Give me a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Got a family to feed, right? Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding, it's pride, that's pride. We're not gonna do that. But I I want you to listen, okay, we have to know we live in a culture, we understand, we live in a culture that is constantly pulling away from Christian values, principles, and morals, right? To the point, hear me, to the point, we will pay someone a million dollars to wear a tank top, a skirt, and dance in front of a phone, (laughs) A little too real for you, right? We will literally pay someone a million dollars to do this. And again, I'm not even bashing the people on that list. I think a few of those people on that list, uh, are Christians and that's great. But when we allow something like that and our culture is so consumed with my story, self-indulgence, my pride, all those things, how could that ever bring glory to God? The answer is it can't. It just can't. So what are we supposed to do about it? What are we supposed to do with the problem of pride in our life? Um, Well, I think the obvious answer is to get to the root of it but unfortunately I think a lot of times we just want to focus on the fruit and and the fruit's pretty easy right I mean I think you just get out there you're really boastful you're always putting your foot in your mouth I mean I've definitely done that a few times before and when you just deal with the fruit of pride it's like mowing the grass you do it one time you think you're good it's taken care of and next week it's all of a sudden it's like grown back and like in my life personally it's like you just got to keep fighting it and find fight it and fighting it unless you attack it at its root and I bet if we did some research, we could find a lot of different reasons why we'd have pride, like what's the real root issue of pride in our life. But I felt like the Lord really just highlighted one to me to share with you guys. And it might seem a little opposite, but hear me out. I believe one of the root issues of pride in any of our lives is insecurity, I mean, some of the most insecure people that I've ever known are the most prideful. And I can think back at a few business places I worked before starting to work at the church and we're maybe doing the whole water cooler talk and you know, you're talking to a group and you just mention, you guys know the type of people, right? You mentioned something you did that weekend and someone steps up and goes, well, oh, well this is what I did that weekend or last weekend, or, or did you see my, my new car, or hey, did you see my new, those pictures of that vacation I just went on, did you see this, did you see that? Like They just go on, go on and go on, and I'm just like, man, sometimes when I see people talk like that, I can't help but think you are probably one of the most insecure persons I know, because all you can do is, you're trying to build yourself up, you're not really confident about who you are. And, and I want you guys to hear this, okay? You can be prideful with a lot, and you can be prideful with little. You could be prideful on the outside, but you could also be prideful on the inside. Pride is no respecter of persons or possessions. It's just a sin that attacks any one of us if we give it a chance to. And if we wanna attack insecurity and, and pride in general, I think we have to begin to understand our identity in Jesus Christ. Because once you really understand that, you realize the only reason my story is worth sharing is not because of me, it's because of what Christ has done inside of me, amen? This is what John 15, 15 says. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Instead, you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Do you understand we are friends of Jesus? You are sons and daughters of the king. You are the first, not the last, the head, not the tail. Come on, God has done so much. I mean, Pastor Thomas gave us this giant list, right, the other week about who we are in Christ Jesus. And once you really begin to understand that, I promise you pride won't be a thing because you'll realize I'm nothing without him. I'm nothing without him. John 15, five says this, words of Jesus. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I would just wonder, church, what would it look like if we started living our life with our hands stretched out and said, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. As you walked into your workplace and you said, God, I know you've given me gifts. I know you've given me abilities and talents, but apart from you, I can do nothing. You're giving me the very breath in my lungs right now. I couldn't even live and walk and talk without you. How would your life look differently? How would your life really start reflecting the glory of God when we leave pride at the door? So that's the first thing, first thing I want to encourage you guys with. Learn how to do that. Know your identity in Christ and leave it and watch God work miraculously in your life. Here's number two. We have to learn to live for something greater than ourselves. Okay? Okay. We have to learn how to live for something greater than ourselves. And this is what I mean by that. Kind of going back to the whole social media influencer idea. um, Have you noticed some of the best influencers are the ones that have amazing stories, right? It's the ones that like, I, it's something that's beyond themselves. It's a story that's so grand, you're like, oh my goodness, like, that's unbelievable. And they're so passionate about it because it's something very personal to them. And I was joking around with a, a few students the other day, and I said, you know, what would it be like if we got on the computer and we saw a guy on there, and he said, hey, four months ago, I was 950 pounds, and I took this little pill, and now I look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Well, one, I'd probably buy the pill. But two, uh, I would say, like, you could not be held but drawn to a story like that. Why? Because it's something bigger than life. And, and for me, I love watching documentaries or just certain um, movies that just have a story that's so grandiose, so much bigger than anything that we can uh, comprehend. But the problem is we live in a self-indulgence culture, a self-pleasing culture, uh, a self-autonomy, something that's just like we want to make decisions based on our feelings, our thoughts, our ways, right? But that's so contrary to the word of God. Matthew twenty twenty five says this, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must have at least 2 million Twitter followers. I'm getting you today. Now it says, whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, I don't care what we ever preach on, what series we're in, it doesn't really matter. Any good pastor would tell you Jesus is the ultimate example of anything that we wanna talk about. And if I can say this, Jesus is the ultimate example of living for something greater than himself. And, and hear me, nothing's greater than Jesus, okay? Don't, they'll send me an email about how that, that's so incorrect, right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Jesus could have sat on his throne next to God in heaven and joined God the Father and, and just enjoyed a life of peace, pleasure, and prosperity that we just can't even begin to understand. I mean, we can't even begin to know how wonderful heaven is. But he came down, took the form of a human, not to be served, but to serve others. Why? Because he said, I'm living for something greater. I'm living for whatever my father tells me to do. I'm, I'm creating a story. When we read the word of God, it's a story. It's a love story of how much he loves us. John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. I'm telling you, that is a story worth sharing. And so there's something about that, right? There's something about that when I hear, or like I watch a war movie or something and I see someone laying down their life for a friend, there's something inside of, of everyone that goes, wow, that's a story we're sharing. That reflects an attribute of God that he's willing to lay down their life. And hear me, okay? Uh, anyone in this room, but especially you young people as you're entering the workforce or you're going to college or wherever, whatever the case may be, the world will tell you You're going to find your identity and purpose in your education, in your career, in your accomplishments, in your possessions. And in and of themselves, nothing is wrong with those things whatsoever. But we can live for those things or we can live for something greater. You hear me, church? We can live for those things and that can be our story or we can live for something greater. But when we make the simple commitment to live for something greater than ourselves, it won't necessarily change what we do with our life, but it almost always changes how we live it. You guys following me? When we truly make that commitment to say, I'm living for something greater than myself, I'm living for something greater than my pleasure, my purpose, it doesn't necessarily even change what you do with your life. Maybe you're still the teacher, maybe you're still the businesswoman or man. Maybe you're the lawyer. Maybe you're the garbage guy. Maybe you're the cook. Maybe you're any of those things. It doesn't change necessarily what you do with your life, but it almost always changes how you live it. And I'm just reminded of all these amazing stories of people who just decided to, you know, go on with their life and, and, and serve God and make their story something that truly does reflect God's glory. I uh, I recent, recently just finished some excerpts from Corrie Boom's uh, book, The Hiding Place. Anyone ever read that before? If you haven't, I strongly encourage you. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, but it, it reminded me of a few things in her life that I've forgotten. The first one was uh, that she was the first woman ever to actually be a licensed watchmaker in Holland. Went to college for it and all that. She was the first woman ever to do that. But she only went to and did that because she actually had a failed engagement. And I'm just thinking in our culture these days, like when you have... Have something like that happen to you you can just be like oh that's the end of my story that's the end of my life like you know that's the end I'm never going to get married I'm never going to have kids I'm never going to have the life the white picket fence in the house I'm never going to get that and she could have rolled over and just said yeah that was the end Instead, she goes, Well, God must have different plans in my life. And she goes to school and she becomes, and that's very prestigious. I mean, think about all the amazing watchmakers that now come from Holland, right? She gets her degree and she apprenticed under her father. Her owns a jewelry shop in Holland, and uh, she's amazing, right? Then she goes and she starts these youth camps for kids on the weekends, very similar to what we're trying to do on April 23rd. And she just goes and ministers to these young ladies who come. She teaches them the word of God. She also teaches these practical skills. I mean, and uh, it's just amazing all the things that she does with her life. Uh, Her family's very generous to the poor and they, they start helping the poor. Very well documented on all these things. And then one day Nazi Germany comes in and takes over Holland. And again, you can just be like, well, that's the end of that. But no, what do they do? They start in the resistance movement actually save over 800 Jews and people fleeing Nazi Germany uh, or Nazis in that area and get them out of the country. And they do that for a number of years until one day uh, one of their fellow Hollanders actually betrays them. And uh, the Nazis come and they arrest all of them in one day. And one day they all get arrested and her father, who is much older than her, actually died within a couple of weeks of being arrested. He couldn't uh, make it in the concentration camp. And her and her sister, uh, Corey and her sister actually were taken to the same one. And for uh, over a year, they were brutally treated, brutally treated. And every year, right in front of her, her sister got weaker, weaker, or weaker, weaker until she finally died just over a year of being in the concentration camp. About a week and a half after her death, she was released unexpectedly from this camp. No one really knows why. And she goes back to Holland. And again, when you're dealt that type of blow in your story, you could just kind of think, man, that's the end. Like, what's what's going to happen in my life? I have no job. My career means nothing now. I have no family. My family's dead. I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back, and that's the end, right? And she could have done that. But she didn't. Instead, she sets up more camps and more uh, for refugees coming from concentration camps. And she loves on people that are broken. She loves on people that are hurting. She does that for a number of years until after World War II. Then she actually went back to Germany to preach the gospel. She went and preached the gospel to the very people that enslaved her and killed her family. And if you want to listen to a powerful, powerful message, you can actually go on YouTube and listen. It's a little excerpt of one of the messages she was speaking in the United States, but she was telling a story about the time she went to Germany, Berlin in particular, and preached the gospel there. And she said, I, I finished giving my message, and I, this guy ran up to me and said, four line ten, boom. do you recognize me? And she said, at first, I looked him over, and I didn't do it. She's like, as soon as I looked him in the eyes, I realized this was one of the guards from the concentration camps. But not only was it one of the guards, she said this was one of the most cruel guards in the entire camp. She said, in that moment, I was just overrun with fear and emotions. I didn't know what to say. And this man came up to her and said, Furlainton Boone, you must know I have become a Christian. And I understand there's forgiveness for my sins. I have found Jesus. I only have one unanswered prayer. And that is that I would get to meet someone that I, one of my captives that I brutally mistreated so I could ask for their forgiveness. So, for a Lenten boom, will you forgive me? And I love her honesty in that moment because she said the first thing that just welled up inside of her was no she said no, I mean, she's just thinking, she's like, absolutely not, she's hearing his voice, seeing his face, and she's like, all I can remember is all my friends and family being dragged out from our business on the day we were all arrested, the screams of my dying father, sure to die in the concentration camp, the look of my dying sister in the camp as I took care of her, and it's a no. And then all of a sudden, a still small voice began to speak to her, and God just said, Corey. If you can't forgive him, how could I ever forgive you? Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? That the same measure of grace and forgiveness we give others is the grace that we're going to get back? And she said that, that, that moment, that thought swept over her and she thought of course I have to forgive this person. And without even thinking of it, grabbed his hands and said, of course, brother, let us pray. They prayed together. She forgave them. And she said, in that moment, there was more peace, more joy than she's ever felt in her entire life. Talk about a story that reflects the glory of God. Knock after knock, trial after trial. Come on, that test really did become her testimony, right? all because she was willing to be used for God, all because she was willing to live for something greater than herself. And I'm just asking you, church, what would it look like? What would it look like if we made that decision to live for something greater than ourselves? And the Lord's been challenging me personally in this because sometimes it's, it's especially easy for me to play the pastor. I come in here, I work, I can give a message or do whatever, but then when I get home, am I just building my own kingdom? Am I just doing the things that I wanna get done and and, and see happen in my life? Or one of the things that we talk about here is to change the spiritual atmosphere of this city. And I'll tell you right now, that's never gonna happen if I'm only playing Christian in this room, or if you're only playing Christian in this room. That's when we go into our communities, we go into our workplaces, we go into the grocery store, wherever it is, and we start shining brightly for Jesus, amen? Doesn't matter if we've had a good day, bad day, I guarantee, Most of us have not had the story Corey had, but when we surrender our life and really give in, decide I'm gonna live for something greater, greater than my 401k, greater than the time I'm gonna get to retire or anything like that, man, that's when our story really begins to reflect God's glory, amen? Amen. All right, last thing I wanna share with you, step number three. We have to admit, submit, and commit our brokenness and dependency on God, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter seven. We're gonna read a quick story here of a sinful woman anointing Jesus. Starting in verse 36 in Luke chapter seven, it says this, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar and filled it with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other, but neither could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Can I have my uh, partner up here real fast? I want you guys to see something here. This is Chip Keeper. He's gonna represent Jesus right now and I'm gonna be the sinful, immoral woman. And we're talking about stories. How does this story start? Okay, and let's get something straight too. If you guys don't realize, it, the Bible might say a sinful, immoral woman. She was a prostitute, okay? That's what she was. That's how she made her money. That's how she made her living. So here she is, she's sitting here, and it says she hears that Jesus is in town. And she has a choice to make Am I gonna to go to Jesus or am I gonna stay where I'm at? There's only one reason why you would wanna to come to Jesus and that's because you realize you need him in your life. And I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you guys are here at church today watching online. I get it. We've made that commitment. We're saying, I, I need him. And that's the very first thing. If you want your story to reflect God's glory, you have to admit you need Jesus and she comes before Jesus. And I think most of us are willing to say that. Like, yeah, we know we need Jesus. But what's the next thing she does? She submits to Jesus. She gets down on her knees and she starts crying over Jesus and and wiping his feet with her hair and just showing this reverence. I'm telling you guys, this is a very vulnerable position to be in. It's like I'm bowing before Jesus. I'm saying, you are greater than me. I mean, like, it's just demeaning. He could push me over and I mean, I can't really do anything about it. A few people are willing to admit they need Jesus. Jesus even fewer are willing to submit to him. But if we want our story to reflect God's glory, we just gotta come here and we have to submit. Even if we look a little foolish, even if it puts us in a vulnerable position, even if it's not the most glorifying thing to us, we come before him and we kneel before Jesus. And what's the last thing she does? She takes this beautiful alabaster jar, breaks it, and starts pouring this rare perfume over Jesus. She commits something so great to Jesus. Most scholars believe that that alabaster jar, that perfume, was worth over a year's wages. Okay? And how did she make that money to buy that perfume? Through prostitution. And what you may not know is Levitical law actually forbid people bringing money from prostitution to the tabernacle. If you made money by doing that, you were not allowed to bring it. It was unworthy. But here she is, and what Jesus said, and though her sins and though they are many, she he understood she was a sinful person. She goes, Jesus, I'm, I'm admitting I'm submitting and I'm committing everything I have. Everything, even my past mistakes and even the joys and the triumphs and the trials. I just literally, everything is yours. and just starts loving on Jesus again and again and again. She committed something. You've heard the saying, put your money where your mouth is. She literally did that. She goes, you're worth so much, and I'm not just saying it with my mouth, I'm showing you with my actions and my heart and I'm surrendering. And because of that, her story was recorded in the Bible. And we can look back on it right now and recognize that a sinful, immoral person, which we all are, can reflect God's goodness and God's glory. does not matter what you have done, what you have said, what you have ever believed in, it's are you willing to admit, submit and commit your life to Jesus and when you are, your life will reflect the glory of God, amen, amen you can take your seat, thank you, can I have everyone stand to your feet real fast I want everyone just to close their eyes, bow their heads and I want you to ask this simple question right now I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me what are you speaking to me And this time is between you and God. You're not answering me. You're not uh, saying anything that I'm doing. You're just asking God, what do you want to deal in my heart right now? Maybe it's pride. Maybe you you do have a little pride in your heart and you're saying, all right, today I'm done with it. I'm done because all I can feel is opposition. Every time I turn around, I feel opposition. Leave pride at the door. Leave it in the seat. When you walk out of here, you're saying, God, I know the very breath that I have is only because of you. Leave it here. Leave it here. Maybe you're struggling to live for something greater than yourself. I'm telling you, God has been working in my own life about that. Like Micah, whether you're in church, whether you're at home, in the community, you're called to be a light. You're called to make a difference. You're called to live for something greater than yourself. Make that commitment. Whatever you do, it may not even change what you do with your life. If you're a coach, coach for the glory of God. If you're a player, play for the glory of God. But do it for him and do it for something greater than yourself. And then maybe someone's in here today and you feel far from God. Maybe you've never really admitted, submitted, or committed your life to Jesus. Today, we wanna to give you an opportunity to do that as well. So if you have never given your life to God, or maybe you just feel far from God now, and you're like, I, I, I just feel it in my heart. God wants me to make this fresh commitment. Right now, wherever you're at, if God is moving on your heart, I just want you to raise your hand right now so I know who to pray for. Hands all over this room. Come on, thank you, God. You're not answering a call from a pastor, you're answering a call from your Father. And you're saying, I am ready, God. What I'm saying right now, by raising your hand, you're saying, I'm ready to admit I need Jesus. I'm ready to submit to his lordship. And I'm ready to commit everything I have to the glory of God. And I promise when you do, your story will reflect God's glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can lower your hands right now and I just want a chance to pray for you. And we're gonna pray this prayer together and we do it for a couple reasons. First, we just wanna show our brothers and sisters, those who raise their hand, that we love you guys and that we're right here beside you. Second reason we do this is because it reminds all of us, we don't graduate from grace. I need to be reminded of who I was before Jesus and who I am now, amen? So right where you're at, would you please repeat this prayer after me? Everyone in this room, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you my life, and I give you my trust, and because of the blood of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on, let's praise God for what he's doing here today. Come on, he is good. He is so good. Come on, worship team, would you please lead us?